Fantasy Sports Prime Time on a Thursday. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford, where there are certified Blue Advantage vehicles, pre-owned vehicles, available for you on the lot in Mount Juliet, one of the state's largest selections, as well as the Built for You program, which allows you to customize any new Ford, any color, with any accessories that you choose, Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. The Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage, the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators and of A to Z Sports Prime Time is GaryAshton.com. Your dream address without the stress can be found courtesy of the Ashton team and the Intel edge that they provide. So, Traylon Burks has had a bit of a slow start. And there's not there's enough of a discussion at this point around how concerned to be. Now, here's the thing, and we've talked about this several times. I know Austin and Zach uh, spent some time on it this morning as well. There is a situation with Burks where you look at it, and because there is so precious little information, you're not sure how concerned you should be, even as you've heard from Traylon Burks already yesterday. But it does create a situation where in ways where this guy is going to be looked at and relied upon by many Titans fans to kind of take the place and fill the void that A.J. Brown is leaving behind, well, it doesn't seem that he's uh, physically ready for that yet, for one reason or another, the reasons specifically being unknown. But there is some reason to be optimistic about this Titans wide receiver core, even if you are not certain about the Traylon Burks experience so far you have a couple of different options to choose from. And, you know, talking about wide receivers specifically, we should branch this out to all skill position players. Austin Hooper and Ryan Tannehill seem to have a good connection early and often. Chigakonkwo is somebody who you can feel pretty optimistic about as far as a versatile piece to fit in with the rest of the tight end group. I think Kyle Phillips has been the most impressive rookie from this day one of rookie minicamp through these OTAs so far and may be able to provide them production out of the slot right away in his rookie year. Then there's Robert Woods, who you consider or may not have considered to be a day one ready piece because of the ACL tear, but has been pretty pretty, uh, active early and often. Hell, more active than Traylon Burks at this point, coming off of a mid-November ACL tear, back uh, back there out on the field the practice field where he tore his ACL not so many months ago. So all these different things where you're looking and waiting for Traylon Burks to kind of emerge, it's not happening yet. So you have to look elsewhere. And that's where I want to start with your Two Rivers Ford take. Let me know in the comment section on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, what is your biggest takeaway from Titans OTAs thus far? whether it be Ryan Tannehill, Todd Downing, who we discussed yesterday, um, any of the rookies that we have talked about, the veterans now back out on the field in the last couple of weeks. What is your biggest takeaway from Titans OTAs to this point? You can let us know in the comment section on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. We will discuss at length together right after I tell you about the people who make the Two Rivers Ford take possible. That is, of course, Two Rivers Ford. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet has all of the things that you need, whether it be a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle. 
that you are after. It's all about whatever makes the most sense for your family's budgets uh, budget at this point. Because not only can you build your own Ford, custom order your next Ford at Two Rivers Ford with the Built For You program, but you can also get one of their certified Blue Advantage pre-owned vehicles from a dealership that you know that you can trust. Two Rivers Ford has been doing business in Middle Tennessee for nearly 40 years, since 1983. And if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle option, you want to get it from a place that you know does business with honesty and integrity. That's Two Rivers Ford. It's been Two Rivers Ford since 1983 with their non-commissioned sales staff and quality American-made Ford vehicles and award-winning customer service. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. So with all of the OTA information at your disposal, all the different videos and reports that you've seen or read, all the different things, interviews and podium press conferences and all the different stuff that's come out of the last couple of weeks, what is your biggest takeaway from Titans OTAs to this point? Uh, Let's take a look at what you guys are saying. Um, Buck might be in better shape than Burks, says B. French. Well, no. I was listening to to our friends on the Football and Other Efforts podcast. I think that was yesterday. And Zach Lyons had a pretty good line. If professional athlete Traylon Burks is fat and out of shape, what does that make the rest of us? Right? <laughs> like this still, this guy is still a physical specimen of a human being. And while I think it easy, I think it is easy to pile on him right now, and you would like for the process to have gone smoother. I do still think that it is entirely premature for full-on freakouts about Traylon Burks and his conditioning or frankly, lack thereof. Denise Moore says, NWI does not need to be mic'd up. Hashtag boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, one, uh, he may not be as boring as the video that they released would tell you, but I think they would prefer him be intentionally boring. And I'm sure there's editing to make sure that he is intentionally boring, Denise. This the mic'd up things are fundamentally useless, right? They're just something that you can put sponsored content on. And, you know, it's like we're, I've got the game one of the NBA finals on right now. And at some point they're going to show Ime Udoku or Steve Kerr in the huddle, mic'd up for sound, clapping it up and said, got to play good. Got to play better defense, guys. Got to play better defense. Keep it together. Stay focused on the goal. Like all these useless cliches that mean absolutely nothing. Uh, The sideline reports where the coach is asked one question and gives a two-second answer and the mic'd up for sound in the huddle, those are the two most fundamentally useless things. But you can attach sponsors to them and make money off them. So, you know, not entirely useless for somebody from a business standpoint. Um, Kyle Phillips, greater than Mason Kinsey, says Donovan Romain. Well, yeah, um, that is so, uh, that is uh, correct to this point. Now, you know, um, other than the unrelenting Mason Kinsey stands, who I cannot for the life of me wrap my head around, um, you know, it'll be interesting whether Mason Kinsey can find a way to continue to earn a spot on this roster or on the 16 man practice squad. Because he does have experience, and he has been here for a while at this point. So if he can provide you something, then that's better than nothing. But yeah, Kyle Phillips is uh, substantially better um, as a player and as a prospect, as a pro prospect, than Mason Kinsey uh, has been at any point so far in the last couple of years. Uh, Will Dodson says, I'm with the feds, LOL. (laughs) Yeah, talking about uh, Nick Nick Westbrook-Akeen is mic'd up for sound. And unfortunately for NWI, that was the only funny line to result 
out of that mic'd up for sound segment. Um, Max asks, how has Des Fitzpatrick looked in your opinion? Um, you know, up and down, right? But you would prefer for those inconsistencies to have already worked themselves out. Um, I I think that I think that once we get into uh more once we get into minicamp and you know, we see more seven on seven work, we see how the secondary kind of responds and reacts because defense is always going to be ahead of the offense. I think that Des Fitzpatrick has some tools, certainly, but what what he is uh in this offense and for this football team. I'm not entirely sure yet. Lone Star Titan says Woods, Robert Woods, ready to ball out. And that's been the thing that's kind of surprised me the most is how quickly Robert Woods was ready to get out on the field. And we, in fact, spoke to Robert Woods after practice concluded yesterday. Uh, you know, you have the choice, first of all, to be here for OTAs and then second of all, to, to rehab here as opposed to anywhere else. What, what made you rehab here and also choose to be here for, for OTAs too. Uh, just getting acclimated, uh, kind of goes hand in hand. If I'm going to be here, I might as well, you know, just be out here. Um, so being able to get with Todd, uh, who was able to just be one of the, one of the top trainers in the NFL and being able to get me on track, uh, and, and where I need to be being able to rehab with Caleb, uh, another guy who's rehabbing his ACL and just being able to push each other and stuff like that. But, uh, being able to, like I said, it's my first year with the team, being able to pick up this offense as fast as I can um, since I'm not being able to be out there fully. Um, so when I am ready to go, I'm, I'm ready to have that knowledge of the, of the offense and just uh, just be able to go full speed by then. Like mental, what's it like mentally maybe when you're coming back from an ACL, building confidence, and what do you feel like you are from a confidence standpoint, like making cuts, doing things where you're feeling like, hey, this is, this is feeling good? Uh, you gotta try. I feel like you gotta you gotta do it to uh, to have that confidence, and I feel like we're able to do these things at, at at slower speeds and being able to build up as I go. And I, I think that's the, the, the really the start of it. Being able to do these things in in a jog through period, uh, in an individual period with Rob, um, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that allows me to have confidence and being able to pick it up. And as we get to go full speed, as already made these cuts at a certain level and as we start picking up the speeds I feel like uh it, it just comes from being able to do the drills and and then translate it to the field so that's Robert Woods meeting with the media yesterday and I would say that's been the biggest takeaway for me so far of all the different things that we've seen out on the practice field is that Robert Woods is closer to ready than not now Puka on YouTube brings up, uh, I just hope Wood's not doing too much too soon. Here's the thing um, that I would say about that is, you know, ideally you don't want him to overextend himself, right? In the same way that we've talked about with Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree. But overextending himself and getting work in and kind of testing the limits of his body and specifically his surgically repaired knee on June the 2nd, is much different than him doing on doing it on September the second, right? It's a much more accelerated uh, process and much further along than you would say Taylor Lewan or Bud Dupree was at this point in their offseason last year. So yes, you hope that he's not doing doing too much. You hope that he doesn't overextend or overexert himself um, that would cause any kind of a setback. But if such things were to happen. You would look at this and say, okay, preferably on June the 2nd as opposed to um, August the 2nd when training camp is kind of in the middle of things and preseason has started. I don't expect to see him play in the preseason, but you know, maybe he'd like to get some reps. I don't know 
how he's going to want to approach this. I didn't expect him to be out there to begin with. But it does take a significant amount of pressure off Traylon Burks right now. But here's the thing, because while that is positive, that's a good development for Titans fans who are just looking for somebody um, to emerge from this new look wide receiver group. You are placing a lot, you know, to use a cliche, you are placing a lot of eggs in the basket of another injured player, right? And that's something that Steve Lehman, John Burton, and myself uh, talked about on the 615 Sessions podcast, which will be in your podcast feed and on this YouTube channel tomorrow morning for your drive to work. So make sure that you check that out um, in the A to Z Sports podcast network feed. Reed just made a face, which means that I have uh, surprised him by telling him that it's going to be available to people by Monday, which means that I need to get him the rest of the podcast or by a Friday morning. So I can uh, allow him to set him up for success uh, rather than just surprising him in the middle of this because he uh, made a face at me behind the scenes that would indicate that he was not prepared for that, but that's okay. We'll get it figured out. Um, I sure hope Kelly, Tim Kelly can help Todd Downing improve the whole offensive scheme. We talked about that yesterday um, at great length, so you can listen to why or you can read why I think that Tim Kelly is going to be a perfect fit. Sam Cardenas on Facebook Live asks, which wide receiver is looking great out there? Well, um, I mean, great is a relative term. I wouldn't say that I've been like outright blown away by anybody, right, Sam? And that's that's kind of how I expected the wide receiver core to look. I don't have high expectations for this group just generally. Um, you guys know how I feel about what they did in the offseason. I do like Robert Woods as a player. I do like Traylon Burks um, as a player. And we'll see what happens with his conditioning and all these different things as the offseason continues. I do like Kyle Phillips. I do like Chigakonkwo. I think that Austin Hooper is better than any tight end they had on the roster last year. And I still don't think they're a better football team on the offensive side of the football. I still don't think that they are from a talent perspective, substantially improved from the group that took the field last year. Now, what we know about the group that took the field last year is that it was hardly ever a one consistent group, right? Where you were rotating, uh, where you were rotating wide receivers in or out of the lineup, offensive linemen in and out of the lineup. Really, the only consistent thing on the offensive side of the football was the quarterback. And the quarterback, because everything kept changing around him, struggled uh, more than we are accustomed to seeing him struggle. But yeah, I'm not overwhelmingly high on the Titans wide receiver group right now. And I don't think that's any stinging indictment. I just think it's realistic. So when you're asking me who look great, I don't think any of them look great yet. But there's time for that to change. And it's only June. And they don't play football until September the 11th. So we have uh, time for that to to uh, for that to be a different conversation by, you know, by the time the season is ready to roll around versus where we are right now in just the early OTAs phase. But yeah, I, I think you guys, uh, the Titans says, think positive, Buck. Well, you know, I mean, he, he, here's here's my thing. Um, it's not my time. It's not my job to think positively. Um, you know, it's my, it's my job to give you a realistic assessment. And my realistic assessment is, yeah, I don't think they're a better football team right now on the offensive side of the football. But, you know, we'll see. And we probably won't know. Honestly, we probably won't know into if they're a better off, better looking offensive football team, if they're a collectively better group um, offensively until like October. And I'm fully prepared for that because, you know, I want to see them play a couple of games before I say yes, uh, make any any uh, grand indictments off of week one against the New York Giants when we all know 
that week one is a uh, that week one is a pretty um, mutated sample size. It's probably the weirdest result of football in the league around the league is what happens in week one. Uh, being better than last year offensively is a low bar and easily doable, says Cody Helzer. Well, no, not necessarily so, uh, Cody. You're you're mistaken in that way. It was still a top ten red zone offense. It was still a uh, I think it was a top five goal to go offense. They were top 10 as far as third down percentage, uh, third down conversion percentage was concerned. And they were still uh, one of the better offenses in football last year. Now, because of the way that your offense did not step up when you needed it to in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals, you probably feel different. That's recency bias. But yeah, um, it's not like the 2020 defense where the 2020 defense was historically bad. No, this was the top 10 offense in most metrics. It just didn't what it wasn't literally record setting the way that the 2020 offense was um and certainly had a a much higher floor than the 2020 defense did right that was my whole thing coming into last offseason um Todd Downing was always going to be under significantly more scrutiny because Arthur Smith had just uh coordinated the best offense in Titans era football history and Shane Bowen's defense was hot trash. So Shane Bowen was, was working with house money and Todd Downing was going to be the guy who was looked at if it didn't step up and get hits over the head, get gets hit over the head with things like Cody Holzer's providing where he says being better, being better than last year offensively is a low bar and easily doable. Well, no, of course that's not at all the case. In fact, that's completely unrealistic based on where they finished in most uh, metrics, both, you know, statistically and, from an advanced metric standpoint, they were an above average offense in 2021. Um, but most of that was on the ground, correct? Why would the run game be any different? Uh, well, most of what was on the ground, um, just the offense. I mean, yeah, their offense is it's a running offense. And where they did take a dip is explosive plays. Now, why they took a dip in explosive plays, if that was because the offensive line couldn't pass protect, that was because the personnel didn't know the proper route combinations, i.e. the Houston Texans game and Des Fitzpatrick running running incorrect routes and causing Tannehill to throw interceptions, whether that's, you know, uh, miscommunications like in the Pittsburgh Steeler game where they had a touchdown, a 70-yard bomb drawn up to Julio Jones. You could see the play playing out. And all of a sudden, Aaron Brewer and Dontrell Hilliard whip, uh, whiff on the protection and instead of a 70-yard touchdown on the first play of the Steelers game, it's a sack that results in a loss of eight. So there's a lot of different um, – yeah, they had missed opportunities in the passing game, sure. Um, and their explosive plays were very non-existent. That dried up. You could stand to be better from an explosive play standpoint. But, yeah, everywhere else as far as scoring um, – all the things that you look at for the measures of a quote unquote good offense, they were a fine offense last year, but it wasn't record setting the way that you expected it to be, especially given the personnel changes and additions uh, that you made and the guys that you had coming back. And uh, yeah, so you were left to feel disappointed. I understand why it's also completely unrealistic to say they couldn't get any worse. No, that's, that's, they could get substantially worse. And in fact, I, I expect them to look, worse early in the season because they're it's a whole different group of personnel it's not like defense where you can change out the talent upgrade the talent immediately and just have them tee off on a quarterback rushing cover right as we as we learn new concepts as people figure out different defensive schemes and disguises well what can you do on defense well you can rush the quarterback and you can cover the receivers 
Offense is much different. Offense is more, much more difficult to kind of coalesce. Um, and I would expect early on in the season for this offensive uh, offense to look sluggish and to look slow out of the gate and to look um, not necessarily not necessarily fluid until we probably get you know as I said a month or a month and a half ideally uh, into the season I think for this point. Uh, so I I think that there's a lot of pressure on Traylon Burks. I think that Robert Woods' availability. Makes that easier. I also think that for for Titans fans to put a lot of optimism in a player who's coming off an ACL tear, you may be setting yourself up for failure um, to a certain extent. <clears throat> uh, Philip Seabree says, thinking the offensive line room needs more help than the wide receiver room. Not sure if there's anyone left out there looking for. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyone that can give me a name or two? Uh, sure, Philip. I think that uh, I think that Eric Flowers or Will Fuller on the offensive line group or the wide receiver room would both help uh, the football team be, uh, be better. And I expect neither of those players to be tit- Titans. Um, I don't – the this June – so now we officially have the $9.5 million available for the uh, – for the from the Julio Jones uh, release post-June 1st designation. And I think a lot of people – a lot of you guys may be expecting a uh, – a lot of people may be expecting some kind of, you know, free agency, post-draft free agency push – or things of that nature, and I would say to you, yeah, I don't, you're not you're not using you're going to use that money for practice squad. Sixteen practice squad players going to eat up uh, a bunch of money, uh, a couple million dollars. You're talking about at least three of the draft picks who s- still have to sign their contracts. That's going to eat up a couple mil. You're talking about uh, practice squad, as we've discussed, and in a pool of money for injured players, which will uh, require a couple million dollars. And you only had nine and a half, really eight and a half to play with right now. So uh, Mark says the cap can be manipulated. Sure, it can be. Plenty of teams can do that. Plenty of teams could do that. Plenty of de- teams do do that. Titans aren't one that I expect to uh, expect to see that happen um, with. So, you know, uh, you guys can you guys can take that as an informed opinion, not reporting anything outright, but I don't expect to see them have some kind of uh, June spending spree just because they have this Julio Jones money. This money is necessary for them to kind of, you know, basically uh, have it. It's their piggy bank money that they're just getting back now with the cap coming uh, with the cap coming back into focus for them. So yeah, cap can be manipulated. Doesn't mean that John Robinson likes to manipulate the cap. He'd rather just kind of move forward with what he's got if it's good enough. Uh, let's see Titans 42 Giants nine says Titans South you know honestly if I if I had to make one prediction all year long I bet the Titans lose to the Giants I really do (laughs) it's just it's a it's such a it would be such a and you guys know what I think of predictions and they mean absolutely nothing and prognostications and all these different things I don't do I don't do uh, I don't do record predictions. I don't do score predictions. I don't do any of that shit because it's useless. Um, but it's just it's such a Titans thing to do to host the 9/11 game on national television against the New York Giants. You know, American flags everywhere. I'm certain. Uh, big big CBS afternoon game for sure. And at home, and the crowd will be. Uh, excited, and we'll see how all these things go, and then they'll probably end up losing to the New York Giants because, of course, they shouldn't lose to the New York Giants. 
And that's, a, that's just, it's Aaron Hobson's uh, senior says it's the Titans way. Listen, I don't make the rules on this, but it absolutely is there. It is in their DNA to blow a game like that, even against, you know, Daniel Jones. We were talking today on the radio about, uh, we were looking at a numbers comparison between Arthur Smith and Todd Downing. And I had a caller bring up the Carolina Panthers game in 2019 because that was kind of the turning point for Arthur Smith in that offense. I think that was like week nine or 10 into the regular season. And that was a game that they did figure out the offense in the second half of that game, but because they, uh, they fiddle, oh, I can't use the word, but they've, uh, they, they screwed around in the first half against the Carolina Panthers that they lost a the game to Kyle Allen, right? Like Kyle Allen stinks. Kyle Allen was the backup quarterback. I think it was the third string quarterback because Cam was hurt that year. I think Taylor Heineke was the backup and Kyle Allen the third string. Or maybe Kyle Allen was the backup and Taylor Heineke was the third string. Either way, like the Titans lost that game as only the Tennessee Titans could to a player like uh, like Kyle Allen where you looked around and said, oh my God, like how, how did this happen again? How do they always do this? Uh, Captain Tripps says, Derrick Henry destroyed the Giants last time they played Buck. Come on, it's two years ago. No, that's... That's 2019. That's three years ago at this point. That's a totally different roster. I mean, Daniel Jones is still there as the quarterback, and Saquon Barkley still the running back. In fact, did Saquon play in that game? I remember that was at New York. I remember Logan Bryan snapped his leg, and they didn't end up winning. It was a terrible game in the rain, uh, just a, a brutal watch. Um, but to, to act like the result from three years ago is any relevance on week one of, uh, of the 2022 season – well, that's that's completely stupid. <laughs> it's, just, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the last time the Titans played the Giants. The coaching staff is different. The personnel is different. Um, and uh, the circumstance will be different for both teams, for both teams, for certain. But, you know, like I said, I don't do I don't do predictions. I think they're dumb. Uh, but if you had to ask me one game on the schedule where I'd look at it and say, where where would the Titans step on their feet right out of the gate. I would say 1,000% it's that New York Giants game uh, because that just, it screams typical Titans stuff. But, you know, for your sake and for the sake of your mental health, I hope that it doesn't happen to you that way, to you and your football team. But, um, you know, selfishly, I must admit that it would make my job a hell of a lot easier if they did blow that game right out of the gate. So I can't say, I don't, I don't root for or against, but I would say, that for me, them losing to the Giants would be the best possible result because you guys would shit your pants. <laughs> and that, you know, right or wrong, right or wrong, that's good for sports media. Anyway, uh, so there was a report today that Nashville uh, is one of six cities in consideration for a WNBA team at this point. And I think uh, Jimbo says, why would that be the best thing for you? Um, well, okay, so, I, you know, I'm always transparent about this thing and I th about this kind of stuff. And I think I've talked about this before, Jimbo, but, you know, maybe you haven't heard it. Um, yeah, when there's, when there's disaster, it's better for sports media because it's reaction. Um, it's better content. It's better conversation. You can be more reactive as opposed to saying, okay, the Titans won this football game. Good job out of good job out of you know Ryan Tannehill two touchdowns no interceptions good job out of Derrick Henry like no it's better for you to go scorched earth as a, a in my position uh, and for you guys to go scorched earth because of course if you lost the Giants you'd lose your minds and then 
you know, the phone lines would light up. We'd have 400 people in the comment, 400 people watching live in the comment section, all screaming about Todd Downing, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, or all these other things. So yeah, I mean, in full transparency, it is better to cover, uh, it is better to cover successful teams for sure. I would much rather cover a winning team than a losing team. But if you're asking for my honest, like, you know, media perspective, what make, what is best for business, what's best for business is for you to sprinkle a little disaster into the middle. Well, not you specifically, but for the team and the results to sprinkle a little disaster on a, uh, on what otherwise may be an ultimately successful thing, because yeah, then that's the way that you get the most reaction. Now, so uh, that's that's what I would tell you. I root what's best for the show, and what's best for the show would be for the Titans to lose that game. To be completely honest with you, but we can get we can cross that bridge when we uh, when we come to it. Mark Jones just says, "F the media." <laughs> oh goodness, yeah i i totally get, I totally get why that would piss fans off. But you know, I mean, that's the truth. That's that's just kind of the, the nature of the business. Why why do you think the first time that Ryan Tan or that the Tennessee Titans lead sport uh, sports center is because of uh, Ryan Tannehill and uh, Malik Willis because it's controversy. That's how it goes. <laughs> Penny says Bucks got to go. LOL. Hey man, I I, uh, I understand. Uh, I understand why that would would bother some of you, but uh, you know at least I'm honest about it. Uh, maybe maybe people aren't as transparent about it as. The rest, uh, as as we are as a show, but I've always tried to be honest with you guys. So anytime I tell you uh, what I'm rooting for, I'm always rooting for me <laughs> in, those, in those moments and what's best for me and what's best for the show. And what's best for the show is a little bit of disaster and ultimately uh, what uh, and ultimately, you know, a winning football team rather cover cover a winning football team. See, B French sa says it spot on spot on the nose. You mean like last year against the Cardinals? Exactly. Mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect for sports content and conversation. Um, not best for the team, not best for the fans, but if you're talking about like what I do for a living, yeah, it's incredible. Um, that that was exactly that was that that could not have for them to win week one and for the, them to win comfortably. Yeah, it would have been a much less interesting conversation than oh my god, the defense that they retooled just absolutely got dummied by Kyler Murray over the course of four quarters, and oh my god, Taylor Lewan gave up three sacks and oh my God, Chandler Jones himself had five sacks against this defense and all these different things. Um, yeah. Uh, but you don't, you don't want too much disaster, right? You don't want too much disaster. Cause then I lose you guys, right? That's like, it's like, it's like Vols fans. Um, when, when, you know, when Tennessee, when Tennessee lost to Georgia state, good for business. When Tennessee lost to Georgia state and BYU in back-to-back -back weeks, terrible, terrible for business. Um, because then uh, Vols fans start to check out two games into the season, and I'm like, I've got a full college football season to talk about, and the only team that most of you care carry uh, or care about is the Tennessee Volunteers. So I don't want you to check out, but you know, I'd be lying to you if I said that uh, an occasional result wouldn't uh, that ruffles your feathers isn't ultimately better for me. Anyway, let's move on and let's talk about the uh, WNBA coming to Nashville, uh, potentially coming to Nashville, let me say. It's being explored, uh, according to The Athletic, that Nashville is one of six cities in contention for a, uh, a possible WNBA expansion. They're exploring two, uh, they're exploring two, uh, one or two expansion franchises, and Nashville is one of the six, <laughs> six cities. 
Titan says. Just pretend you care about us. But no, listen, I love you guys. I really do. <laughs> listen, there's no me without you. Okay. To- they're totally tra- There is zero. I have I don't I don't have anything to- what else am I gonna do? Who, who am I gonna talk to without you guys for an hour uh, Sunday through Thursday night and three hours on the radio show? Reed is pointing at himself and I'd love Reed, but not that much. Um I uh I, I do care about you guys, but also, like I said, you know, I, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for the success of the show. And the success of the show is for you know you guys to be bent out of shape every once in a while. That'll make the rules. Um, okay, WNBA. Would you rather have a WNBA team or a baseball team? Major League Baseball or WNBA in Nashville? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll talk about it together. Uh, that news broke in the middle of my radio show. We're going to play you a clip from the radio show earlier today. What would you prefer to have, WNBA or MLB? Give me your response on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, and we will discuss it at length right after I tell you about the people who can make your dream address without the stress possible. That is the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage at GaryAshton.com. Your dream address without the stress That's what the Ashton team can provide to you and the Intel edge that you need to succeed in this red-hot Nashville real estate market. GaryAshton.com as the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators and of me can do that exact thing for you. Help you sell your home without any showings or staging. Help you capitalize on your home equity. Help you find your next home while you sell your current one and take advantage of this incredible Nashville real estate market. GaryAshton.com and the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage can do all of those things to you. So get the best in the business. Get with Gary Ashton and his team at GaryAshton.com. So, uh, WNBA or baseball? Let me know on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Uh, F old ass baseball says, William Jones, we need an NBA team here to compete with the Grizzlies. Yeah, they're not going to put two two NBA franchises in the state of Tennessee. There's not near enough... um, uh, people don't care about uh, p- the vast majority of people. I'm I'm with you, William. I'd love an NBA team. Um, I'd rather the Grizzlies be here than the Preds, just transparently because of you know I I like I like baseball or I I rather uh, I like basketball better than I like hockey. I mean I like basketball better than I like football, but that's ju- that's my sports fan opinion. That's um, I like football just fine, but like if you're asking me which sport I like more, I like basketball more um, than anything. Now. Um, I think that Tennessee as a market is not a big, it's not New York. It's not Florida. It's not Los Angeles. You can't have, um, you can't put two NBA teams, one of which in the Grizzlies already doesn't do great ratings anyway, other than the fact that they have Ja um, and that the NBA is clearly pushing the marketing machine behind Ja Morant. I think that there's uh, I think that there is, you know, there's positive signs for the Grizzlies Ultimately, but the WNBA, I think, in Nashville would do well. There's not a state in the country that I think would support women's basketball with greater with greater effort and energy than the state of Tennessee because it's entrenched in our it's entrenched in our DNA as a state. Um, going back to Pat Summit and the Lady Vols and all of the all of the dominance across decades that that program had. Now, you know, they also had an incredibly iconic coach, and they were out there. They were out there killing teams, right? There's there has been few things like Pat Summit and the Lady Vols at the peak of their powers. Few things like that run. There's no guaranteeing that that would be successful with the WNBA in the same way that the Lady Vols. Uh, why, why people love Lady Vols? Tennessee fans are always going to support things 
in great mass. And this would be a new team with a new fan base and not necessarily attached to the Lady Vols. And also, a thing that comes to mind with the WNBA is they're very outspoken as far as political stances. And that's not something that just, you know, to be completely transparent, that a lot of people in the state of Tennessee would tolerate, um, which, you know, you can... You can uh, you can think that wrong or right or indifferent as far as that's concerned, but uh, women's women in the same way that the women the uh, U.S. women's soccer team is hugely polarizing. I I think unnecessarily. Uh, not not that I think what they do is unnecessary. I think that people having such strong opinions about women who stand up for themselves is completely unnecessary. I think that if a WNBA franchise were to do that. Um, in the state of Tennessee, it would not be received well, I think, just on principle, for the same reason that Colin Kaepernick and wasn't received well here for the same reason that the Titans and the Seahawks staying in the locker room um, during the whole Kaepernick situation in the – that would have been the 2017 season wasn't received well. Like, it's just that's just kind of, you know, that's kind of the, the political atmosphere that we live in in the state of Tennessee, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, but I do think that I – like, personally – I would prefer a basketball team, men's or women's, over a baseball team. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't give a damn about baseball. Baseball is so boring to me. I think that baseball has more fun and marketable stars in the last couple of years than they ever have. I think Shohei Otani and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Ronald Acuna. And there's a bunch of fun, marketable stars in baseball right now. So I'm as close to being interested in baseball as I've ever been. But also, like just the sport in general, I think I frankly I think soccer is going to overtake Major League Baseball in the future as far as where the vast majority of people's interests lie. It's just it's just not something that appeals to me. Um, and again, if it was if the stadium was downtown, if the MLB stadium was downtown, I'd be game for that. But it won't be because the Titans own that land. Uh, PSC, well, I guess PSC Metals doesn't own that uh that junkyard anymore but there are still basically that land where the junkyard is next door to nissan stadium on the east bank of the river is still controlled by somebody who's not the baseball team right so they wouldn't be able to build it anywhere downtown theoretically and unless it was was downtown like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna drive to brentwood to go watch a baseball game you know what i'm saying like i'd rather just go get drunk at the at the bandbox uh which in germantown which is literally i mean i'm a half mile from the sound stadium right now I'd rather do that than schlep out to Williamson County if they're going to build a baseball stadium out there the way that they did with the Atlanta with Atlanta and the Braves and the Battery outside of Atlanta. Um, I think that uh, I think that ba- basketball. I think that women's basketball, if it had any chance to succeed, it would be able to succeed here because of the passion that Tennessee sports fans already have for women's basketball. That's basically ingrained in their DNA. Um, we've hosted the women's final four here in Nashville with great success. It sold out as Puka correctly notes on YouTube. So I do think it would, uh, I do think it would be uh, a hugely successful endeavor as long as the team was good. Right. And there's no guarantee like soccer got, I don't want to say lucky because they did well to put together a winning team, but soccer benefits from the fact that they're good. People want to go to Nashville SC matches because they're good. And because the stadium's new and because it's, it's an experience, right? I mean, the WNBA team would in all likelihood play at Bridgestone Arena and they would have to split uh, split nights with the Preds and all these different things. So it would not necessarily be a new experience other than it would be a new professional team playing in uh, playing 
in Nashville. I think baseball is incredibly boring. I think that uh, I, you know, basketball in general is something that I would favor over any kind of baseball. So, you know, that's that's where my opinion lies. But, you know, you may feel differently about these things. I'm, I'm sure most of you would rather have baseball than women's basketball. And that's okay. I just, you know, I respectfully disagree. Um, okay, let's do a, well, oh, I forgot to play the video. I'm an idiot. I talked to Ron Slay about this. Reed's laughing at me. We talked about this on the radio show today. Ron Slay, who played, of course, for the University of Tennessee and uh, uh, professionally both in the United States and in Europe for several years and who I happen to work with on 104.5 The Zone. Ron Slay was in studio when this news broke, and I thought we had a pretty good discussion about it. But I want to I want to start with this little bit of news that we had here, Slay, because people oh. are screaming at me. I said I'd rather have a WNBA team in Nashville than baseball. Mm-hmm. I said this because I don't give a damn about baseball, Yeah, and I love basketball. Right. I don't care if they like baseball more than they like basketball. I'm speaking for me. Right. When you hear the news that the WNBA is considering two – uh, one or two potential expansion teams, and Nashville is one of the six cities being considered. How does that land with you? Man, listen, man. As far as the, the city in Nashville, outside of the south side of Nashville, when we're talking about just inner city Nashville, yeah, outside of south Nashville, nobody grew up playing baseball. You know what I'm saying? In my era. Now, yeah. I think uh, as, we, as I get older, it's more and more happening, you know what I mean, because of what you were saying, Will, Mookie Betts, and everybody bring more attention to it and bringing light, the minorities, you know what I mean, being a little bit more celebrated. So that's one aspect of it. But baseball, man, I'm cool on that. But I do know one thing for sure, and I'm not even speaking about men's basketball, which I'm more biased to, but women's basketball here in this, and I ain't even talking about the city now, I'm talking about in the state of Tennessee. Thrives. Hey, man, did, yeah. when I say a hotbed, when you go on the map and recruiters – um, go on, go on, and, and get their their map mapped out of where they're gonna go during the summer. Tennessee, it has to be in top three. It has to be. I'm talking about all the nation. You know what I'm saying? Of course, it's reaching the Europe now, but in all of the nation, this has been a hotbed ever since I was a baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? From Tennessee State to Vanderbilt to Belmont, all these UTC. When they were UTC, not yeah. just Chattanooga, like all the way down to Memphis. It's been a hotbed. You could come here as a recruiter, a college coach, and point. Close your eyes and point to a public school, private school. It didn't matter. This has always been a hotbed for women's basketball. Yeah, Slay's spot on. Um, and I think, you know, more people uh, more people grow up paying, playing baseball uh, than soccer, for example. But those numbers have been in steady decline, and soccer's numbers have been on the rise. Lady Vols may be enough, Mark Jones says. And and I, I don't disagree, right? If the Lady Vols are a better basketball team than if we were to get, you know, the Nashville Woo Girls or whatever you would call them, uh, if they're going to play on Lower Broadway. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think, yeah, if the, if the team is bad, then people won't care about it. And it will um, go the way that the Preds did early on, where there was almost a point where we lost the Nashville Predators for the lack of, um, interest that they had and the lack of success that they were having on the ice famously. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if it's, if it's bat, any kind of basketball versus baseball, I'm always going to choose basketball because baseball is just, there's just nothing there for me. Anyway, that's the show. That's going to do it for us this week on the primetime show. Thank you guys as always for spending your evening with us. We'll be back on Sunday night, uh, certainly. And we'll have a great time radio show. Tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun. Coach Dave McGinnis of Nashville, of uh, Tennessee Titans Radio, will be 
on the show, and we'll talk about some OTA stuff. And I've got some Julio Jones stuff for you, or Julio Jones money stuff for you as well. Have a great evening. See you on Sunday night if I don't talk to you on the radio show tomorrow at 10 a.m.